you record it in a podcast, they will listen. <laughs> Just uh, driving all the ASMR people out there wild. Yeah. I'm sure they're fumbling for their buttons now. <laughs> Your inner child is an idiot. This is the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they're any good. My name is DJ. And my name's Damon. Welcome, Damon. Thank you for having welcome, me. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to your home. Thank you. And welcome to Yorn as well. And we can we continue our Costner Fest 2K20. Uh is that that's a stupid way of saying it. But agreed. Uh, but and I thought that was what you were going for. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going for undeniably clever. Well, and you know, you keep at it. <laughs> um, we're talking about Field of Dreams today. FOD. Uh, another Kevin Costner classic and one of your favorite movies. Is that right? Uh, he, I think you misheard me when I said I've never seen this movie before in my life. <laughs> uh, I get, th- I get those two things confused a lot. Well, ju- I just figured given how much you love baseball, given how much it. I love baseball, how much I love corn. Yeah. Uh, and how much I love, uh, Shoeless Kevin Costner and Shoeless yeah. Joe Jackson. Um, I think it's going to be just a real thrill ride for me. <laughs> Satchel Page Is he in it? If I remember correctly, so I've seen this many, many times. It's been a very long time, though. It's probably been 20 plus years since I've seen it. But for some reason, I saw this a lot growing up. I think partially because it was a big movie, but partially because I'm very into baseball and it's like a classic baseball movie. It's one of those where I I feel like as someone who likes baseball, it's going to like tug on my nostalgia heartstrings about baseball and it's the magic of the game. Uh, and I uh-huh. feel like for people who are not into baseball, that's just like, it's like a, a reference in a comic book movie. You're going to be like, I think I know what you're trying to do, but I'm <laughs> not getting it at all. I, the movie is ground to a halt because you want me to notice this thing, but yeah. I don't know what it is. So I'm just leaning over to DJ and going, what is that? It's the grandeur of the game. Uh, the more I hear, uh, I hate, I hate mystical references to sports. It's so <laughs> fucking exhausting. Um, but you know what really speaks to the human condition, Damon? That's what we're really God. talking about. Oh my we're talking God. about the ability to band together. To and hate another team because they're wearing different colors than us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also a proxy for war. Over. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather people actually fight in a war or play baseball against each other. Those are your only two choices. Do I get to pick who's in the war? (laughs) Mm, No, but you do get to root for one side. (laughs) (laughs) What about a nice, you know, uh, you know, a nice late spring day. You've got a perfectly trimmed croquet pitch. Everyone wearing sweaters, jostly, you know, jauntily tied about the neck. What about that? And laughing, Joe, Joe, their, come in here. <laughs> laughing only with their bottom jaw. <laughs> one of the great things about baseball, I'm not going to just talk about how great baseball is, but one of the great things about baseball is that you play in professional baseball. You play so many games, 162 games a year. And so there's a, like, basically it's perfect for statisticians because basically you can always be like, oh, this is the first time that someone with a brown belt hit a home run off someone <laughs> with the last name belt. Well, another guy, you know what I mean? Like, it's just uh-huh. like the most absurd thing. And those are my favorite. Nate Silver is now fumbling for his buttons. <laughs> He's so turned on right now. <laughs> Even as a kid, I remember getting it's there's a there's a very fine line where that's entertaining, interesting, but then also sometimes they're ta- telling stories like that. Like one time. I got a Coney 
in the summer of 1971 at Fenway <laughs> Park. And the, meanwhile, the guy hit a home run that like when the, and they're like, yeah, fly ball to left field. And so I had the Coney and he's like, yeah, <laughs> let's let's can the Coney story for a second. There's something actually happening in this generally very boring game. I do. I will say this about baseball. And probably why there's a good glut of baseball movies as opposed to, I don't feel like there's a lot of, or at least comparatively, I don't think there's a lot of great football movies. I think the reason is that baseball is fairly easy to follow, even for someone like me who does not give a shit about baseball. I understand how the game works. Whereas I think every time I've ever watched a football game in your presence, no matter how many times you've told me before, I'm like, so what's a down again? And you're like, <laughs> okay, so, uh, but in baseball, I'm like, I get it. They you either want to hit, hit the ball and make <laughs> their way across these bases, or the other team wants to get him to not hit the ball. Yeah, I do. I do think. I mean, I guess you could break either one down to the simplicity of like you're trying to score points, but like, I think in general, baseball is a there's a strategy to it, of course, but it's a simpler game i think to follow if you're not into it or if you're not like a fan you know what i mean even and i think that translates well into making a compelling story that's fairly easy to follow well there's a lot of tension because it's a slower game there's a lot of tension you mm-hmm. know because like and that can be boring if you're not into it but if you're interesting it's just if you're like into the game or into the results or like you know uh rooting for one team or the other it's just like oh my god like it's so much tension because right. they're waiting on the mound, like grabbing. Well, doesn't I mean? Hitting. Doesn't football have tension? I'm bored by both, so it's hard for me to tell. Yeah, d- they both have tension, but I, I think there's there's more. Um, I don't know. I think there's more active downtime with baseball because um, it's a slower game. Like because like in football, you have plays and you have timeouts, and baseball there's an infinite amount of time, and there are timeouts, and they have done things recently to like try to oh like quidditch okay i get it yeah exactly (laughs) if you don't catch the snatch man is that not is that wrong no i think that's right um from the version of the movies you watched (laughs) they're the guy richie on x tube (laughs) (laughs) is that a thing let me type that in right go ahead and type Um, that into your history bar oh I know how computers work. <laughs> don't say it's your history, history bar. bar. <laughs> you don't type things into your history. Now, okay, so if I'm rem- remembering correctly, um, Kevin K. Ka- Kos is a, he's a farmer. He's got a, a cornfield and he demolishes some of his cornfield, which they're already not doing well to build mm-hmm. a baseball field because a voice tells him to. <laughs> and then, uh, somehow, um, James Earl Jones gets involved and he's like a JD Salinger type. Like he's a, a, a reclusive author. Yes. And he like part of the voice tells him to basically to take him to a baseball game. And hey, he hears James Earl Jones. Yes. Yeah. And then eventually like the ghost of his father and all of these ghost baseball players play. Ray Liotta is also in this as one of the, yes. right. As one of yeah. the players. Yes. He's is not his dad. I think he's his, the, I think he's, is he shoeless Joe Jackson? I don't know. Is there what anyone about, else in this? uh, the, What's the... Uh, That's the question I'm getting at. Who else is in this movie? Who's his... Who plays his wife? She's great, but I can't remember. I'm going to pull a name out of my hat of the 80s woman I know, Ann Archer. What about uh, Bonnie Bedelia? Let me know if I'm getting close. Um, uh, what's that woman? Dee Dee, uh, who, who is in uh, Cujo and E.T.? Amy Madigan. D. Wallace Stone. Oh, it's Amy Madigan, who I... I thought I would recognize that name more than I did. Mad Mardigan plays his wife. Mads Mickelson. <laughs> Why um, I remember her being great in this. I think, you know, asterisk. Because Is she going to be... I'm, I'm already angry at this movie because of the very little I know and the stuff you just recapped sort of solidified what I know. Is that he destroys his family's means of income. Yes. Based on a schizophrenic voice he hears yes from famous baseball players uh and his wife i assume will probably be at least slightly negative about this plan 
Yes. And the movie's all about how he was right all along because Ray Liotta yes. comes out and plays pet catch with him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna much. really fucking hate this movie. Aren't I, I don't like. I I am I am almost always wrong when I think this, but I don't remember the movie like treating her like she's like being shrewish or anything horrible. Right. I remember like being like, yeah, that's how you would react. This makes sense. Okay. But then because eventually. I, I, I hate for I her to get the she, Patricia like, Heaton cut where she is just the shrewish <laughs> wife. And when it's obvious that she is in the right and the show's just right. like, oh, isn't she a bitch? I um, think that eventually she's like, okay, well, if we're doing this, I'm I'm going to support you. But I don't so remember. She's an idiot. <laughs> well, yeah. Except for in the movie, you know, it does. She's also a hero. But she supported know. her husband's wild-eyed dreams the ends of the earth (laughs) and then he gets to play catch with his dad and i guess it made money for the farm well i think that people like come to come watch the ghosts play at the end oh okay (laughs) all right (laughs) i'm i could be remembering this wrong but i think that's like eventually is a happy ending because there's like a line of cars because people are coming to pay to play to watch the so this movie then sort of establishes that ghosts exist in the universe. Yes. Um, when did this movie come out? I want to say 88. Uh, 89. Damon, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, all right. I mean, I know this movie probably more through parody than I know it itself i think it's been parodied on like tiny tunes and maniacs Uh, and probably simpsons and i'm sure mr science theater guys have said if you build it they will come at least 600 times (laughs) uh great i'm looking forward to it i will say this it's got some big shoes to fill if it wants to be our best baseball movie it's got to knock rookie of the year right out of that right yeah yeah um did you ever what else We've watched Little Big, Big League Little Big Rookie League. of the Year. We're going to be watching this. Is there any other baseball movies we've watched? I know you guys watched Little Giants a few weeks ago. Thank you for sparing me a football movie. I was going to say, that's a football movie, damn it. Um, yeah, I think I don't think we've watched any other ones, but I I have clearly have no knowledge of what we've done before anymore. <laughs> You're even making up memories about movies yeah. we've watched. <laughs> um, so we're going to watch Field of Dreams. Please join us. We'll be back in just a minute. Have you ever wanted the ghosts of disgraced ballplayers in your house? I wouldn't. I have. I wouldn't want to put my money towards that, especially if it's going to drive a wedge between me and my wife and possibly my dickish brother-in-law. You got to keep him happy. Oh, yeah, because he works for the bank and somehow has, like, hold over my property ownership. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about donating your money to a good cause, such as you're in a child is an idiot. Food the bank. podcast you're oh. literally listening to right now. No, 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 no. Not a food bank, DJ. No, no, no. Stop wasting your time. They have bank in the name. Banks don't need food. <laughs> They're not people. Um, so, uh... Go to uh, patreon.com slash you're in a child is an idiot. See how you can support the podcast. You're literally new for free right now. That's me typing it in. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't, it didn't come up on my microphone, but it should be great. We watched Field of Dreams. Do you want to recap this movie? I made you recap the last two. I'll do it. Okay. We're going to recap this movie for those of you who didn't get a chance to rewatch it or watch it for the first time. Ray Kinsella, played by Kevin Costner, is uh, a new farmer. He and his wife have recently bought a farm. He's learning the ropes. He has a, a field of corn. Here's a voice while he's out tending the corn. Is that what you do with corn? corn it needs tending. to be watered every day. You gotta corn tend. You gotta so milk it. I contend that while corn tending, he uh, hears a voice that says, If you build it, he will come. He doesn't know what the fuck that is. He eventually 
asks the voice enough that it gives him a vision of a baseball field in the middle of his cornfield. He knocks down a good portion of his cornfield and builds a pretty professional baseball field with working lights. And then the, the, the voice comes back again, says, ease his pain. And he comes to somehow realize that that's the pain of famous reclusive author Terrence Mann, played by James Earl Jones. He goes to Boston, takes Terrence Mann to a baseball game where he sees another vision. Or does the, Have you mentioned the that Shoeless Joe Jackson, the ghost of Shoeless Joe Jackson, has appeared in his field already? Oh, yeah. Before he, the second the second voice, he thought he had uh, kind of accomplished, you know, did, wiped his hands of it. But the, uh, the ghost we'll of Shoeless because the ghost of Shoeless Joe Jackson, disgraced baseball player, shows up, plays some baseball. They uh, they shag some balls. And then... Um, Excuse me, sir? This is a children's podcast. Shag some balls in the outfield. Really, in front of his kid. It's really inappropriate. Disgusting. This film is disgusting. And then he asks if other ghost players can come play. And he's like, yeah, sure. Why the fuck not? <laughs> but then the voice comes back. He goes, takes Terrence Mann to a ball game. What does it say in... What does the voice say to him at the ball game, at the Red Sox game? Oh, I can't remember what it says. Oh, but go it, the distance. It, oh, right. Yeah, sure. Go the distance. And so um, he realizes that, oh, I guess it wasn't. And he also on the big screen, he sees this the lifetime stats of uh, Archibald Moonlight Graham, who is this player that had zero at-bats and played one inning of baseball game. And so he realizes, oh, I guess I was wrong. But as he's leaving, I thought he had one at bat. Not to keep interrupting your recap, but I thought he had one at bat and he hit it in the infield and nothing happened. Did you watch this movie? No, he was in the outfield. You know, there's ghosts in it, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. He was in the outfield and none, no, no balls got hit out of the outfield. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. And what the movie apparently was saying. And so he takes Terrence Mann home, but it turns out Terrence Mann heard the voice too. So he goes with him. They go to find. Uh, Archibald Moonlight Graham. Turns out his name, uh, his nickname later was Doc Graham. He was a small town doctor in in uh, somewhere in Minnesota, and he's been dead for a while. And so oh, for ten okay. years, or not exactly years, fifteen years. He's not exactly sure why they're there. Talks to some people who remembered him, and then weirdly, time travels and meets uh, Archie Graham, Doc Graham, who tells him about his. Uh, one half inning in the major leagues and how all he ever wanted was to have an at-bat in the majors. But he ended up quitting baseball after getting that small taste and became a small-town doctor. And so Ray Kinsella says, I think you're supposed to come with me. And Doc Graham's like, nah. And so he goes, okay, what the fuck? So he gets back uh, into present day, 1989, gets in the van. This is a hard movie to recap, I'm realizing. Um Guy hears voices, builds baseball stadium, ghost baseball players come, one of whom is his dad. Okay, there's the recap. And his dad, Twist, is the he of Ooh. He Will Come. Yeah. So midlife crisis gets to gets to finally play catch with his dad, but not really. Um, also at some point, there's a subplot because turns out uh, plowing over your cornfield uh, and not harvesting is not good for business when you're a farmer. And so his brother, played by Timothy, Timothy Busfield, basically- In-law. Brother-in-law, right, uh, buys the f- deed to the farm and then is going to foreclose on him for some reason, uh, even though he seems to have- I thought he was just- he. I thought, as I understood it, his brother-in-law was a banker, and um, was trying. I guess uh, I think it's implied that he was trying to keep the other bankers at bay, but he couldn't anymore, and they were going to foreclose on the farm the next morning in the last scene. Yeah, yeah. But then when he sees ghosts on the farm, he's like, "Keep this farm," and I'm like, "There's still no money in this." But <laughs> there's no uh, money in ghosts. On the very last scene, we we pull back and we see a huge line of cars. They're coming to see the ghost baseball players and apparently pay money. And they don't know why. It's just, they're just going to do it. Yeah. There you go, Damon, the majesty of baseball. Let's talk about it. Uh, 
So <clears throat> have I mentioned that I'm very bad at recapping movies? You haven't? Well, you haven't verbally. You haven't <laughs> literally said those words. I'm just kidding. Um, what a dick. Me and, <laughs> me and uh, my lover uh, watched this movie last night. Um, and I knew very little about this movie going in. I knew that he builds a cornfield, builds a baseball. Well, he, it's implied beginning that he built a cornfield and then over it, he builds a baseball field. (laughs) Right. And, um, that there's the voice that tells him and that, you know, ball players come and I knew there was something to do with a family member or probably his dad. Um, all that happens literally in the first 20 minutes, aside from his father, all that happens within the first 20 minutes of the movie. And I paused and I was like, is this movie already over? Is this, is this it? Yeah, Lauren like should Joe the, Jackson appears at like 17 minutes in. I'm like, there's already ghosts playing baseball. We already made it. Yeah, Lauren, what Lauren else got can up, happen? Got up. Lauren got up to like put dishes away and then came back and she's like, oh, we already built the thing. The thing. I thought that was the movie. <laughs> I thought that was gonna be the bulk of it of just like his family being like, no, no, you can't do this. And he's like going out to the Home Depot and coming back with wood and then has to go and mow it's the lawn. My dream. And, like, this all is this, the field yeah. of it. I thought it was going to be him like against the world the entire time until ghosts finally showed up and proved something correct. Nope. But no, the first 20 minutes in, I will say this. Um, I was so happy when James Earl Jones showed up, showed up because the first uh, 30 minutes of this movie, there is literally, aside from Timothy Busfield's brief scene, there is literally no tension throughout the entire first act of this movie it's kevin costner going hey i heard a voice outside who wants me to build a baseball field and his wife's like yep i support you and his daughter being like i love baseball no it's not it that's not entirely true his wife barely pushes back especially when you found out if you found out yet you found out tomorrow that lauren was hearing voices telling her to mow down part of your house to build some fantastical baseball field in the hopes that ghosts will show up. Would you be like, I support you, honey. It depends. Does she whine as much as Kevin Costner does about it? I'm like, you know what? If this is something you want, that's basically she said is like, if this is something you feel like you need to do, I feel like do it. comparable to what is being stated by Kevin Costner, the amount of pushback that he receives is microscopic. It's ludicrous. This whole movie, I mean, one of the things that drives me insane about any show is when people are obviously just reacting in a way that the plot needs them to, and that is almost everyone up until James Earl Jones shows up and for once acts like a true human being and says, I'm going to bash your skull in with this crowbar if you come anywhere near me, which is the actual human reaction to someone stating these ludicrous things. I don't know if you remember, but in the begin the intro of this movie, we were worried that they were going to pit his wife as like the nagging shrew that kind of like shitting on his dream. They did the exact opposite, where she was pretty much the voice of reason at very first. She's like, "Why would you do that? What are you talking about?" He's like, mm-hmm. "The voice was really." didn't give me any details. And she's like, yeah, I hate when that happens. She's funny. She like, yeah. and, then she, and then he basically is like, kind of whines about basically being in a midlife crisis. And he's like, I feel like I've got to do this. And she's like, okay. And I feel like that's a pretty, uh, it's maybe a little too supportive given how dumb the premise is. I might buy that if he had kept the voices in his head, like to himself. And just said, honey, I want to build a baseball field for the community. Like that I could buy, but he opens with, I heard a voice telling me to do something. And I think it wants me to build a baseball field. And she's like, hey, if that's something you want to do. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Instead of being like, uh-huh, while she like quietly reaches for a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really excited. I really loved at, I, I mean, at first, I really loved uh, James Earl Jones' character because he was, um, I mean, I, I guess I did read he was based on J.D. Salinger, so he's supposed to be this reclusive, yeah. you know, countercultural writer. Um, and for the first, like, part of his story, he, he like, really is the first person who seems to be building a character. I'm like, okay, I, I like this guy. And I was like, when he showed up, I was very relieved because I had no patience for this movie for the first 30 minutes. I was just like, absolutely not movie. I refuse to be whimsical with you. Um, 
and uh, he Always was great. A good attitude and then to go into a fantasy baseball, <laughs> not fantasy baseball, but fantasy slash baseball move. Um, and uh, and he was great up until like once he admits that he had the vision too. Then I feel like his character completely completely shifts gears, complete becomes a completely different person. Is just he there. Hears the voice. Right. No, I know. I just feel like whatever remnants of his personality were in those first right. scenes are yeah. completely gone. Like the abrasiveness, all that is gone. And I'm like, oh, and now it's just another person saying, you know what, Kevin Coster, you got a great idea. Let's yeah. do this. I feel like at every point, and I think this is part of your your larger point, is that I feel like at every point, every single character in this movie just becomes like a vehicle for baseball haikus. Like... <laughs> Like it starts with Kevin Costner and then, and then uh, actually, uh, his wife never really kind of, you know, waxes poetic about baseball, but she's in on no. but like, but like the, the kid, the daughter, even, yeah. The daughter even does a little bit. James, a Martin young Gabby Hoffman. Yes. Gabby Hoffman. Gabs Hoff's making her debut appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, every, every character at some point gets like a poem about baseball inserted into their mouth. It seems like to regurgitate out. I was a little confused about the bank subplot and the movie seemed to barely care about it. It almost like felt like it was, it was doing its own thing, but it was like, we have to have an eighties a wrote eighties movie subplot in here about evil yuppie bankers. We have to have that in here. And it just sort of like did like the bare minimum of like sorting it out. I'm like, yeah, I guess I kind of just based on the other eighties movies I've seen, I kind of see what you're implying here. Um, Cause it felt like, I mean, the movie at one point states like it's been two months since he built the baseball field and like he's being foreclosed upon right then. It's been, is, is that, does it say two months? At one point, I won't say it. like at the end of the movie, it's been two months, but at some point, I think when she calls him in Boston, when he first gets together with Darth Vader, um, she, she says, she mentions it's been two months. And so I was like, what loan did you guys get? Cause yeah. you got screwed. I think I don't, maybe, uh, I missed that because that, that was a big question for me and was a source of confusion because that doesn't make any sense based on the fact that like, you know, you harvest corn in the fall and the corn was like, it was tall, but it was like, it seemed like it was summer, maybe late. Summer. We do even have a Christmas scene. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Cause he, he builds the stadium before they harvest corn and mm-hmm. then he, and he doesn't plow over all his corn. In fact, a baseball stadium doesn't take up that much space in terms of like a farm, but whatever. Yeah. And he didn't even put that many stands up. So it's like, yeah, there's like seating for 15. So I don't know. I mean, based on the corn shots, I mean, of course I don't know where his property line. Right. And they cut out the real estate, like the deed coming through and, (laughs) but they, um, but I mean, he seemed to have a lot of corn and I'm not saying like that wouldn't be a huge loss for, for a farmer, but I guess it wasn't made clear to me. Like, why is this? Why is this what's doing him in? Just this yeah. square patch of corn. I mean, I think I think it's fine to kind of yada yada all that because, like, you get the idea. He's a farmer. He has to he to build the stadium. He has to plow part of his field. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Um, it doesn't seem like that big of a baseball. I mean, like, there are a lot of questions. Like, isn't there anywhere else on your property that's not growing corn that you could build this? Like, right. I mean, and, and it makes sense to me. Yeah, that's true. Couldn't you put half of it on the cornfield? Then you're losing even less corn. You could have yeah. it, like part of it on your front yard and part of it on your the cornfield. Yeah. Then you're using less corn. Um, and I also, the time, the time of year, I want to talk about that too, because like, just like how, I mean, I guess he doesn't want the voice to keep talking to him, but it's like, just wait at least until you harvest this year. He like, Right. Plows perfectly good corn. And it's just like, you know, you're going to do that anyway. So just wait. <laughs> so you at least get That's like true. a That's full, a, good point. a full, and he ended up having to wait through winter, which he didn't know he would have to, obviously, because Shoeless Joe Jackson doesn't show up. The ghost of Shoeless Joe doesn't show up until the next like spring. Because you have to wait until yeah they say stadium. once once the flocks are coming up are flowering that's when Shoeless Joe appears that's Listen, that's the traditional Irish saying everyone knows even in heaven baseballs have season baseball has seasons <laughs> sorry it's I still interminably long but it it has seasons <laughs> not this year um 
I was thankful for the banking thing because once James Earl Jones changes his tune, again, the movie is without tension, aside from the bankers who are just sort of hovering, may I say, the outfield of the the movie. It's more like it's more like the a mis like the mystery of trying to figure this out, I think is what sure. they're going for. So it's it is missing maybe some of that same tension, but like he's just trying to figure out like what the hell am I supposed to do? What is this? Um, right. And I, I, I kind of got into that stuff. Although, I mean, it just seems to like, I don't know, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to move on. Cause like that was, that was a big part of the, like, sort of the mechanics are a little clunky of the whole thing of like, but I'm kind of fine. Like, that's not what makes this, you know, if bad or good, you know what I mean? It's a little bit like a, it's a quibble and it's, and I think it's worth mentioning, but it's also like, yeah, but you know, bank stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> right. All right. Fine. No, no, I, 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 it is a minor quibble. It just seemed, I, it was, it was so on the outskirts of the story that I would always be almost startled when it came back into the story. I'm like, Oh, right. The, the, the bank thing. shit. Okay. Sure. Timothy Busfield has a weird relationship with both this family and the bank. <laughs> and they forgave him really quickly again with, you know, people acting just in terms of the plot and not in terms of how people would act. I'm like your brother-in-law tried to screw you over in the most evil, evil way yeah, almost. Yeah. And he, he's like, Oh wait, I see the ghost players. All right. You're not crazy anymore. I'm like, I feel like you've been plotting. If, I mean, the movie implied that he had been plotting this for a while. I feel like, yeah. Um, even before Costner had a chance to fail, he was like, you're stupid. We're going to buy out this house from under you. Yeah, it is a little, it is a little bit, they touch on it a little bit because they're like, basically his wife, it seems like his wife kind of convinced him to move here and buy this farm. And he was like, not like, like, uh, completely anti the plan, but he, he was clearly like convinced by her to do this. But it seems like the family was maybe not behind this. So I'm not sure... It's a little weird. It's a little out of character for her to see. She's very like peace, love and freedom. I don't know. Maybe she just wanted like a communist. Well, they're both supposedly peace, love and freedom. They're both like hippies. They're both former hippies. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I had, a, I, I got annoyed. I mean, I liked her character. I mean, I got annoyed at how I just, I could have used just a 5% more Patricia Heaton in her. Um, just give me some like pushback on this. Um, but I got annoyed at him again when she has this successful moment in the PTA meeting. She has like the PTA meetings uh, meeting to cancel or censor these books to stop books from being distributed in the library. One and one is, of them is yeah. Terrence Mann's books. Um, and she has this great, well, maybe not a great speech, but she actually has a fairly realistic speech. It's just sort of like uh, shambled together and she has this huge energy and she's immediately like uh, Kevin Costner, like throws a bucket of water on her and just like, Oh, I know this is back to my baseball field thing. And like, yeah. can you have her, let her have this fucking moment where she like successfully shut down the Phyllis Schlafly of, of whatever Ames, Iowa, wherever the fuck they are. Uh, it was, it was annoying to me because probably because I already went into this movie being like, oh, this is another like white guy, you know, up against the world to do some stupid thing. And then uh, he keeps making it about himself. Yeah. Even when someone else gets this this victory, he has to make it about him and his goddamn baseball field. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like cheering in the hallway like, do you see how I put it to them? And he's like, no, I need to go meet with Terrence Mann to get him on my baseball thing. And the Terrence Mann thing... I don't know. I feel like the movie was really trying to get me to see the connection, but it just seems like the ravings of a lunatic when Kevin Costner is trying to explain why uh, Terrence Mann is the person who uh, the voice was telling him to ease his pain. That's the that's the subject of that. Yeah, I was he, like, that's the first name you heard since when he figures since out that thing. Things you just kind of have to like. It's a bit of a plot contrivance. You have to just accept that he when he gets it right, he knows. Even though right, the movie he is definitely like himself, but then also he's like, no, it's Terrence Mann, and we're like, wait, what, what, why? Um, the movie is definitely uh, of the assumption that we all should just uh, believe this white man, no matter what he says. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's the one hearing the voice, but we don't get any confirmation of the voice being like, "Yep, you got it." 
Bingo. It was Terrence Mann. <laughs> you saw all my clues. Do you have some water? I'm getting hoarse. <laughs> also, I was like, speaking of the bank thing, it was weird to me that at the, at the end of the movie, they're having this big like confrontation where, uh, the the brother-in-law is like, you know, they're going to f- foreclose and he can't see the ghost baseball players that are like playing ghost baseball right behind him. And everybody right. else can. Uh, but uh, he's like, they're going to... So isn't he the crazy one? Mm. 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 Um, but he's like, kind of painting himself as like, listen, I'm giving you an out. Sell this to me before you get foreclosed on. And then I still buy it, maybe? I don't know. Um, but I guess he would let them live there rent-free, but I don't know. Like, he would get to pay the property tax? I don't know what his scheme was. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, does he get the corn profits? Step, like, I don't understand. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. <laughs> um, so, but all the while, he's, like, talking about, he's like, listen, you have no money left. You're going to go bankrupt, blah, blah, blah. He's kind of laying out this stuff. Meanwhile, there's... Literally a millionaire author sitting right there who believes in this plan. <laughs> You've got a solid venture capitalist and potential investor. Why doesn't he just go? I mean, I know that's just like maybe a little bit too deus ex machina, but like, it's like, could he just be like, yeah, I'll, I'll front that. We're good. <laughs> um, is he a millionaire though? Is Terrence Mann a millionaire? He, I mean, he's supposed to be like J.D. Salinger, right? I mean, he's not like flaunting it but i assume he's got he wrote like i mean he does get to just sort of do what he wants yeah yeah maybe and he like runs a software company now it may not be like an amazing one but like he seems like he's i I thought he was just doing it was like a non-profit uh software company maybe so that also would have made not to just write an alternative script but it's like (laughs) that also would have made Terrence Mann's participation in this whole thing sort of pay off because like basically uh, towards the end of that whole scene, Sheila's Joe and the guys like go back to the cornfield to disappear for the day. And then they're like, you want to come with me? And they're actually talking to Terrence Mann and he goes with them because his thing is to, he needs to write about it, write about heaven, I guess, or wherever. But is he coming back? Uh, that's what I'm, I don't understand. There's many mechanics of this story that I don't understand. That's one of them. The other is like, okay, so follow this. If you have not watched this movie, this is what happens. I assumed he wasn't taking back, but coming back, but I, I was as confused. I was just like, when, when he said, when he said, oh yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, or when it was like implied that he was going to go, I was like, oh, he's going to die. Cause he has nothing to live for anymore. Now that he's seen Kevin Costner's baseball field <laughs> dream realized. Right. Um, this, and the then when he said, I need to write hours. about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When he said, I need to write about it. I was like, Oh wait. So he's coming back, but it still was felt like he wasn't going to come back. So I'm like 56% sure he's not coming back. Yeah. That book's never going to get written is what I'm trying to say. Right. And that, that was the whole thing is like, he doesn't write anymore. And he explains why in the movie he's like, tired of like people feeling like he has the answers and blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, pretty justifiable reasons, whatever, like artists don't have to create art if they don't want to, that's the deal. They don't owe you anything. Um, but -hmm. it's like, it was sort of like saying like, Oh, now he's inspired to write again because he's going to write about either this, either the, this ghost baseball stuff or heaven where he's going. But yeah, is he coming back? But that wasn't even the most confusing mechanic. Let me, talk about what the most confusing mechanic is. Can I please? Ooh, I'm excited to find out what you find to be the most... I will say, I mean, I don't want to keep harping on this, but it just seemed like that once uh, James Earl Jones has served his part in Kevin Costner's plan, he just, like, the writers are like, get him out of here. Okay, got it. We're done with him. I mean, like, why does he have to die? That is, like, the very end of the movie at this point. We're we're pretty close. I know, but it just seemed like he... uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. It's, It's a little bit like, what? Um... But the most confusing thing, I think, is the whole Archie Graham, Archibald Moonlight Graham scenario. So that whole middle section I had never heard about in my life. No one had ever referenced it, probably with good reason. Um, 
It's very confusing. And Tyler was like, wait, what? And I was like, no, I think that's the doctor. Go ahead. So here's what happens. I'll I'll try to synopsize as much as I can. Um, (laughs) Second recap. Second recap. recap. This is specifically just the Archibald Moonlight Doc Graham. Act two recap. Yeah. So the sort of third thing that happens from the voice is Terrence Mann and and Ray Kinsella are at the baseball game at a, at Fenway park. Ray, hears the voice again. It says, go the distance. And they see Archie moonlight Graham's stats on the board. So he's like, okay, well we got to clearly got to find this guy. And he's from ludicrous. He's from Chisholm, Minnesota. So they go to Minnesota. Terrence man, hears the voice too. So he agrees to go. They go together to find this guy. Well, this guy's been dead for, 16, what is it? 13 years or something. He died yeah, in like, like 15 seven, years. Yeah. Yeah. He died 72. I think is when he died. Yeah. 72. And so he's not there, but apparently this guy was also a real guy. And so those people they interviewed that he, that Terrence Mann interviews some people just to find out about Doc Graham to figure out maybe why they're there. And that's apparently real stories about this guy, Doc Graham, who left baseball and became like a small town doctor. Very charming. Sure. Whatever. Anytime you see like a bunch of people in a row that can't act, you're like, okay, either they just decided to cash in on these extras or these are real people. And it was clearly the second in this fact. Um, so they still have to pay them rate though. They have to pay them standard rate anyway. So they have a speaking role. They get paid. Good. Good for them. Thanks. SAG. They're Um, probably in SAG now. They're probably voting for the Oscars. All these old white men. (laughs) Um, those guys are all dead. We all know that. <laughs> Just like the dog from Full House. All of the dogs. Weren't there multiple? All of them. All of them. I don't know. Did, they, did each uncle have a dog? They're in a mass like grave. Like I said, Damon from, from, <laughs> from Golden Compass. <laughs> in a mass grave. <laughs> That's terrible. Why did I say that? Oh, because I thought it was funny. There's inherent comedy in mass graves, says <laughs> oh, DJ. Geez. Okay. They're in Chisholm. And they're like, okay, well, this guy's dead. I don't know. And then he, Terrence interviews a bunch of people and Ray goes to, on a microfiche uh, journey through at the local library, tries to find out about Dr. I love a microfiche montage. Love it. Should love be it in, in Silence of the Lambs. Love it in Field of Dreams. And be in all the other movie. movies that happened then. Should be in every movie. I agree with you. I think there should be a learning skills montage and a microfiche montage in every single movie. There's love, a way to I do it. I love turning the wheel on the side for the microfiche. Oh, yeah. Mon- oh, and Tyler always loves a shopping montage. Makeover scene. Sure, throw those in too. Why not? They're at basically in this hotel room and they're like, I don't know. I guess we weren't supposed to come here. I don't, the guy's dead. I don't know what to do. Ray goes. You'd think a voice from the heavens would, yeah. would know exactly where to send you. Well, the voice, assuming it's that's who's behind all this magic, is about to pull some real shit because. Ray walks out of the hotel room, walking down the street, and now he's in 1972. He has fucking time traveled. And I don't know and why. just like the lamest time travel, just like a decade before. Yeah. He goes back. Can you imagine <laughs> if you, like, God, like, time traveled you and you ended up in 2004? Yeah, that's what it would be. It would be 2003. Just hey y'all on the radio. Hey, Bush's first t- term. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of fun stuff. Going on in 2003, <laughs> Iraq War. The Iraq War. That's that. fun. Still um, fresh. So he's time-traveled back to 2003, and <laughs> relatively. <laughs> and so he's in 72, and he's walking the streets, and he realizes this because it says, like, re-elect Richard Nixon in the window, and then he uh, wipes off the, the tag on a license plate, and it says 72. And then he sees Doc Graham walking, who is... This is the year before or a couple years before he dies, right? Or and so like I think it's like two years before he dies. Yeah. So he's an old man walking with his umbrella as he was they told him that he did. And so <laughs> he goes and he talks to Doc Graham, and Doc Graham takes him back to his doctor's office and they chit chat. He talks about how he all he, you know, he had that one half inning and it was amazing, but he realized he would never get there again. And so he quit baseball, became a small town doctor. But then he said like what his one dream was and it was to just have one at bat 
in major leagues and he would wink at the, at the pitcher before he did it, which is okay. Um, and so Ray's like, I can do that for you. Come with me back to Iowa. We'll play some fucking ghost baseball. And he's like, nah, I'm good. That was my dream, but I belong here. My real passion was to become a doctor. It's like, okay, weird side journey that we took. Okay. So they're like, I don't know why we did this, but on their way home, they pick up a hitchhiker and it's young Moonlight Graham. It's young Archie Graham. And he, the first thing he says is, I play baseball. Can I play some baseball? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we can. Uh-huh. Okay. And so they take the you know uh, Moonlight Graham back with them and he goes and plays ghost baseball with the ghosts. They agree to let him play and he gets his one at bat against the uh the the ghost pitcher and he gets to do his wink thing and he gets a sacrifice fly he scores an rbi good for him but i was just about to say that so you took that the words right out of my mouth but damon there's more oh please go on i like that, I like that i'm like just like an infomercial i'm just retelling the whole story the whole story but this is very it's well, very can, important because the mechanics well, are very confusing so do you okay do go you ahead there do you want to stop there and analyze what we've well done so I, I wanted to unpack the time travel okay, part okay let's let's do um, that first because there's more so this is A. This is the A section. <laughs> so everyone take a break. Stretch out your legs. Yeah. Um, Intermish. So I will say this is probably, I have some problems with this part of the story, but it is Do also you? the part that I will probably stick with me the longest of this story. Because time travel this is awesome. old man. Well, one, time travel is awesome. Um, and two, if you look in the background, there's a young Marty McFly right behind him. But oh. He's supposed to be at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance what? at the same time. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I found this charming, maybe because I'm getting older, but finding this old man who's like, yeah, that was my dream, but I've got a life here and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I am a doctor now. I'm not going to go, you know, le- abandon my family, much like you have, Kevin Costner. <laughs> and... Uh, pursue some crazy bullshit idea uh, here in the present year of 1972. Um, There was something I found charming about it, and it was an interesting take. I mean, this movie is about regret, I think, of all things. And it was an interesting take on having regrets, but not letting them control your life. Mm. So I was also a little disappointed in the movie that like not two minutes after we left this like intelligent character of Burt Lancaster who uh, played by Burt Lancaster in his final film role um All right. who says oh yeah I have regrets but you know hey we live, what are you gonna do I have a successful life nonetheless yeah like two minutes later is like hey I'm the young version of that guy let's go play pool um, like immediately it, undercutting it is, its own meaning right yeah. exactly yeah. and and I know that this guy was a real person and I assume he really died in 1974 um and that's why there is this weird time travel um but it's also just so stupid yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's part of me that wishes like they had just, like they had with Terrence Mann, had fictionalized this character so that he was still alive and they meet him in present day and they're like, hey, let's go play baseball. And he's like, fuck off. Yeah. I'm having a good life. And then they run into his younger counterpart. That would have been kind of interesting. But the fact that there's time travel and then he like, second, part. there's more time travel yeah. and that he shows up like a yeah. second layer of time travel. I don't know. I was just confused the entire time um yeah. until i put together they were the same person well and then it we took get, me a minute we get so the second half of that part of the story is that okay so and we co- sort of are sort of introduced to the magic mechanics of this a little bit in the fact that shoeless joe can't leave the diamond and he like can't cross yes. this chalk line and so um later on in the story after um archie is there playing baseball with the other guys. Um, at some point during the argument between the brother-in-law and uh, Ray, um, their daughter, Karen, gets knocked off the the bleacher. Oh, my God. And she, you know, she's in trouble. Like, we find out that she's... What, sorry, go ahead. It's the biggest laugh of the movie. Wow. Because it's, it's so staged, again, in the most unhuman way possible. They're sitting on the stands watching the players show up. This is Timothy Busfield talking about his schemes, his his machinations, um, his Machiavellian plans to to 
take his brother-in-law's farm out from under him. And he says, you're talking about baseball. And he picks up, he literally picks up the physical corpus of <laughs> Gabby Hoffman to make a point like, Isn't well, he's... your daughter's here. You're going to give up your daughter's dreams or whatever he says. I don't know. But he, he loses grip of her and she falls off the back of the bleachers. And uh, it cuts to a shot of her just lying still in the dirt with a hot dog, a dramatically placed hot dog right next to her head. And Tyler could not stop laughing and said, that hot dog. <laughs> um, and then um, Archibald, who, of course, is a doctor uh, in the future, in his own future, he is a doctor, and suddenly he knows he is a doctor, and he crosses the line and saves the girl. But he can't go back on the, the baseball thing because, you know, baseball ghosts like everything just so. Um, yeah. But that, that shot of her lying in the dirt, it's just so, like, obviously, like, scripted in a way to to have a dramatic beat. And it's just like, what person would pick up a child just to use her as like uh, a laser pointer in his presentation about why <laughs> like his brother-in-law should give up the farm? Like, Right. It's just, yeah. no, it was like, no one would ever react like this. You're just doing this so that she can fall off the bleachers and have this weird dramatic beat. I don't mind manipulating people. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I am Phyllis Anthopoulos' son. But... <laughs> I mean, if you're going to show the seams so poorly, I feel insulted. And that is what annoyed me about this whole scene. I was like, uh, I see what you're doing. Just get it over with already. Yeah, I mean, there there were probably many smoother ways to create this conflict. Like, she could have just, like, fallen. She's a kid. Or he could have, like, been swinging his arms like yeah. a Timothy Busfield is known to do <laughs> and, you know, knocked her down. Yeah, I guess, I I don't know. They wanted to make it seem like a, a double like there was both their fault because like Ray goes to like grab her and then it kind of loses his grip. So it is like a, like it's clear that he didn't like mean to like throw her, you know, it wasn't <laughs> right. like that. And so I, it just seemed weird that anyone would just grab a child in that fashion. It was poorly I'm not saying he yeah. did it on purpose or anything. Yeah. But what we're actually talking about here is, is the sort of the ghost mechanics because yeah, as you mentioned, ghost, the, yeah. the young Doc Graham remembers that he's a doctor because they all remember their whole lives because they talk about like, it's been 68 years and you're still mad at me, you know? And then, yeah. So, and he, and then he crosses the line, becomes the old version of himself, but Bert not the, like, but from like 1972, or I guess it could have been his. So still a ghost, still a ghost, but an older ghost, which is what happens when you cross the line is you become an older ghost. Yeah, would Shoeless Joe Jackson just become like the 50 pounds heavier yeah. version that they talked about in the, the thing? I don't know. But then also, uh, the ghosts, once they cross that line, he can't go back. He can't become... He can't go himself. back into his self and... He does yeah. go back, he goes back into the corn and disappears. So apparently he can stay in heaven or whatever. Right, he can physically, and that's, I mean, using that term loosely, he can physically cross back over into the baseball field because he says goodbye to everyone, but he can't be his younger self. And, uh, yeah, he goes into the corner and goes to heaven. Um, I don't understand. It's very confusing. But it's like, yeah, I think, I think that was the point, is that it was like reinforcing his earlier point that... Yeah, I have regrets, but I don't regret becoming a doctor, and that's what I was meant to be. So it's like, oh, yeah, I was actually needed to do this. But I did also get the thing that I regretted was his one at bat. Like, what? I don't— Right. He 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 doesn't regret it. He doesn't need it to be a complete man. But JK, I need it. I'm going to come back. Well, either have a point or don't. You know what I mean? Like, that's— <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay, sorry. I'm done uh, with I do want to say— uh, no, I do want to say one more thing. Uh, at one point, um, after she falls and she's saved by, by, um, by the doc, uh, who, by the way, has very 1972 methods of uh, helping a choking child, which is slap her on the back. <laughs> and I'm like, sir, sir, no. Heimlich maneuver, please. Are you familiar with um, Dr. Heimlich? <laughs> uh, he, he, uh, Kevin Costner sort of sees Gabby and, and he, he kneels down and hugs her and says, how you feeling kid? And, uh, I said out loud, like a plot device. <laughs> um, thank you. That's all I want. Um, 
Can I ask you a question? Back, back to the mechanics. Yeah. Uh, so we have all these. The, there's eight players who are the um, the Black Sox, the uh, the black the the Chicago Black Sox who or White Sox. Well, they were the White Sox, but they were called the Black Sox because of the scandal. It's like often oh, called. Oh, now see, even with the Spanish flu going on, they were still clever. <laughs> um. So yeah, the disgraced ball players, the eight players who were who were um, they bet. Convicted they are, they, in the they threw the World Series against the Cincinnati Reds. The nineteenth. Ooh, yeah. Uh, the uh, didn't actually win the, the World Series. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so the play, and then they eventually bring other ghost players, noticeably absent Ty Cobb. Yeah, because um, he's an asshole. The umpires are those dead umpires, or do you think they're <laughs> demons from the depths of hell who come just to? to keep control of the game or, or do you think they are like Al from angels in the outfield mm. angels who come in and just, they just love the game so much. The thrill of the grass to quote shoeless Joe Jackson, the thrill um, of the grass. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, they just like to watch the game. I like to imagine they're dead umpires and they're like, you know, I wasn't my dream to be an umpire. My dream was to be a baseball player. <laughs> I just got into umpiring because I couldn't be a baseball player. Yeah. But no, this is fine too. I get to do this for all eternity as well. Yeah. I'm sure there are people that were like, just always dreamed of being an umpire. Um, I do like rules and yelling at people. <laughs> there you go. Two for two. <laughs> Someone get me a bow tie and a little hat. Do you understand the the sort of mechanics of the of the scandal? Why they were removed from the game? I was curious because I, I mean, it's, I, it's explained in the movie. I did look it up before you came onto the thing. I was looking at the, uh, yeah. the scandal and trying to, to ascertain because the movie is definitely of the side that Joe, uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson is innocent. Right. Um, it's a bit of a I was trying to ascertain. Yeah. I was trying to ascertain whether he actually is innocent or if that's just like wishful thinking on the part of the movie. Um, it seems like a lot of people do believe that he is innocent. Um, although the movie does admit. He took the fucking money. He took some money, but he didn't Which take to me all says, of the money. But it's also like, he did still take the money. He took some of the money. <laughs> it doesn't really matter like how much of the money you took, because that's sort of like how this works. And, and the movie's like evidence is like, yeah, but he still was playing real good. Yeah. And he's like, well, he, like, maybe okay. he's a good actor. <laughs> Um, but I do. Yeah. So, so apparently, uh, baseball players were paid very poorly in the, yes. in the early days of baseball. There's a, this is before and, the union. They had a baseball player. And, and gamblers sort of bribed eight of the Chicago White Sox to throw the world series. And they, did. and they paid them what? 5,000 each. Is that what it was? Uh, I, I think it was more than, I think that's what, Shula which would have been of course, $17 something? billion dollars yeah, it's, at the time. It's, it's a, what is it? I don't remember how much it is in today's dollars. I saw that somewhere, but it's it's a good amount of money, especially compared to how, what they were getting paid. Um, right. I think it would have doubled, if he had taken the money, it would have doubled his salary. Shoeless Joe Jackson is one of the things I read on noted, uh, twice twice checked Wikipedia. This is based- Two sources. This whole scandal is basically why there's a commissioner of baseball now. So, Yay. And that's why they made that show in the '90s, The Commish. That's right on ABC. Chickless, um, Michael Chickless. So I want to go back to the mechanics, though, again, because there's an interchange. Um, there's an interchange between uh, Daddy Costner and Kevin Costner. Yes, um, young dad. That <laughs> is so convoluted. I, this movie was very biblical. Uh, I will say that. And so the convolutedness adds to the biblical nature sure, of the story. Sure. Um, but so his dad, you know, he sees him from across the field when he takes off his, his dad was a catcher. So he's wearing all the equipment and then he finally takes it off. And Kevin Costner realizes, Oh my God, that's my dad. That's my fucking dad. A man I've always wanted to play catch with because I hated playing baseball as a kid, even though my entire character, this whole movie is about loving baseball. And I was like, what are you talking about? Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. We can return to that. You can put a pin in it. Um, his, I ha- I wrote this down live. So he dies, becomes his younger self, but forgets his past life because at first the father does not recognize Kevin Costner, and I don't think he ever does fully recognize him. He calls him and then, he calls him dad later, and he like 
respond. So it's like he's like remembering as it goes, sort of. Uh, And then the father says this. This is the interchange. The father says, is this heaven? And Kevin Costner says, no. Is there a heaven? And then the guy says, yeah, it's where dreams come true. And then Tyler said, so wait, why did you don't ask? you know then this isn't heaven? Why, If you know it's fucking heaven, why are you asking questions? Well, it's like if you're in the mall, but then you go into the, <laughs> if you go into the Bass. You go into Hollister. Yeah, you go into the Bass Pro Shop. And is this still the mall? Or is this Bass Pro Shop? Well. Is this a lifeguard's <laughs> booth or is this a Hollister? I'm really confused. I'm in the Chewies. So. Is this Mexico? Is this. A Mexican mall? Uh, Are we in a rainforest or is it a cafe? am I just getting an app sampler? <laughs> my my first quote, my first line that I wrote down about this movie is I can already tell I'm really gonna connect this movie. Connect like like a like a hit, like hitting a a pitch, you know, right over the center of the plate. No, I meant like an Xbox connect. <laughs> And then I was going to uh, just uh, flail in front of my TV like, for, for an hour and a half. Like connect for my kind of game. <laughs> All right, let's go to the verdict. Uh, the smell of the plastic. The smell of the differently colored plastic. <laughs> the feel of the plastic and the look of the plastic. It's connect four. All right, let's go to the verdict. Come on. Please, 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 for the love of baseball, tell me your verdict. Uh, you're a child is an idiot. Um, I will say that with the caveat that I have the utmost understanding that this movie, out of all movies that have ever been made, between Thomas Edison's Two Dancing Men... <laughs> To Avengers Endgame, this movie, I've never seen a movie less made for me <laughs> than this movie. Um, everything about it is just absolutely infuriating to me. Uh, the dismissal of women and people of color, how they're just sort of regulated to the sidelines just to support this white man. And the entire universe seems to have gotten together to to upend every understanding that we have so that a guy can, like, play catch with his dad. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> this movie sucks. <laughs> What's my verdict you didn't ask? Um... i grew up loving this movie i think kevin costner is maybe not the most gifted actor ever but i do like him i find him generally charming um i thought the 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 wife character was amy madigan was less i was expecting more of that kind of like playing her off as like the a nag and she didn't get that role she maybe went a little too supportive as we talked about because it was like yeah what? she almost became a non-entity yeah. um you know the, the even the kid was mostly cute because she had li- a limited role like too much kid acting can get unwieldy really quickly i love baseball i like you know i I've been to Fenway Park once and I and I loved it. I thought it was amazing. It was amazing to be like be in this place with all this history and but Jesus Christ, this movie sucks. It sucks more than I thought and your inner child is an idiot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. I am surprised at how kind of annoyed I was with this movie because it's just like I remember beats of it. And I remember the basic storyline, but I'm as I'm watching it like with fresh eyes or trying to, I'm like, a lot of this, it makes sense in a like, put a bunch of ideas in a dryer and let them go on tumble for a while sort of way. But it doesn't really, it's not cohesive. And like, it's it mostly just feels like a vehicle to wax poetic about baseball. It really does. And... I find it annoying in a way that I didn't think I would because although I, I can understand how people like, I mean, I, I like baseball. So like it is unlike we were talking about like this, this movie is not aimed for you. Like it's especially me as someone in their late thirties who likes baseball, who hasn't played in 20 plus years. 
Like it's kind of aimed at me. Maybe I'm not as obsessed with baseball as, as I should be to be the target for that, but I'm like definitely in the zone. I'm in the Venn diagram of targets of this movie. And I'm like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think everybody? Uh, Yeah. What do you think everybody? Why don't you tell us why we're wrong? Uh, Or more importantly, why we're right. Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can call us 615-576-0525. Leave us a message. We'll play it on the show. Um, you can find us on all of the social media platforms. Damon does a mean TikTok. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Marco Polo is now the new thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, my friends and I have been Marcoing and Poloing. It's actually mm, interesting because I'm not on Marco Polo and I would consider myself one of your friends. Would you? Um, (laughs) (laughs) we also want to thank our patrons for helping us make the show including t smith Lindsay now supreme ruler of this podcast Uh, the zesty little flick just cuz jacob grimm christine in brooklyn his honor the mayor jeremy Powlin, joshua nicholson karen curd longer pause between each one (laughs) yeah why is this happening (laughs) larissa maestro wax poetic about our our patrons sorry larissa larissa spoke over your larissa maestro Dan McIntyre and Jonathan Day. Thank you guys very much. If you want to support us like them, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Do you want to just, uh, just knock out a quick, uh, sonnet about baseball? Uh, you know, what is that? Hold on. Uh, let me get, that's 14 lines, right? Yeah. One, two, three, four. Okay. And I rhyme every other line, but it has to be an iambic pentameter, but the last two rhymes li- yes, lines, rhyme, right? Yeah. Just give me, uh, I don't know. Just give me 45 minutes. <laughs> Ah, the one, two, and one, two, one, two, one, two. The, okay. the extremely uh, unchewable stick of gum that comes in a pack of baseball cards. Ah, uh, yes. The racial slurs muttered by people in the dugout. The soft pretzel that you always get thinking it's going to be good, but it's always just kind of claggy. And you order peanuts from the guy, but then you realize he's going to throw the peanuts to you, so you kind of freak out about it because you're not really good at catching peanuts, but you really wanted the peanuts because you feel like that's an essential part of the baseball experience. There's always one guy yelling too loud right behind you, and he's angry at, like, one player on the team that he's rooting for. (laughs) Ah, the love of the game. America's pastime. Todd Benzinger, you're a (laughs) shithead. (laughs) 